This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with the Wilts Couture, information technology expert at Newcore Steel in Jackson and Flowood, and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Today on Everyday Tech, we will discuss technology in library services. And to give us an inside view, we're going to talk to Sean Farrell, director of the Hattiesburg Petal and Forest County Library. You can give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. To ask any tech question, that's 1-877-672-7464. Or email us at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Wilt Couture, information technology expert at Newport Steel in Jackson and Flowood, and IT instructor at Holmes Community College. And Jeremy is not with us today, but we're going to make it anyway. So today on Everyday Tech, we're talking about technology in library services. Now, our guest today is, I'm so excited, is Sean Farrell. He's the director of Hattiesburg Petal and Forest County Library. Now, he'll be joining us today to give us an inside scoop of what types of digital resources libraries offer today. So you can join our conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and online at Everyday Tech at MPB Online. Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. morning. Um, now we're just going to come on in with our guest and have Wilkes talk about tech and have you talk about library tech. And I'm excited about today's show. How are you feeling, though? Let's get started with that. Oh, man, I- I'm feeling great. I'm really uh, really enjoying visiting with Sean before the show. You know, there's just so much. Uh, it's so interesting to think about. I mean, you know, I grew up in the library. That's that was my get- Saturday thing. My dad and I took us to the library. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and like I was telling him before, you know, whenever my kids were born, my mom, you know, that was one of the big things. She was a teacher. She'd always bring books. And as a result, I've always considered my kids are very strong, comprehensive readers. And and it's such a um, it's such a resource that's out there, both high tech and low tech. And I think, uh, you know, I think there's definitely such an advantage to it. And we just really need to make sure all of our listeners really know the resource that's right there in their neighborhood. Right there. And speaking of that, uh, Sean, we want to welcome you to the show. Thanks Thank you lot. for coming in. And you're from Hattiesburg. You live in Hattiesburg? I, I live in Hattiesburg. Okay. And usually I'm on the other side of the radio I'm listening. And this time, <laughs> it, it's it's really neat being on the other side of the radio. Is it surreal time. a little bit? <laughs> it's surreal. <laughs> well, you know what? I did a little research and I found out that in 1958, the American Library Association began. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So so back then, and uh, the Music Man, I love that musical. I love musicals. So, you know, when they stamp the books in that library scene, I love it. But that's what a lot of people think libraries are still about. You know, the library mom in there telling you to be quiet, hitting the books and stamping your book on the way out. But libraries have changed dramatically over the years. So tell us a little bit how much libraries have changed over the years. You know, um, well, we were talking a little bit earlier, libraries have always basically had like three broad things they want to do. They want to collect information to give to people. They want to describe that information so people can understand what that information resources are. And then they want to disseminate. They want to get that information out to people. So when I started in this field 35 years ago, we had the the stamps and we had the card catalogs and things like that. Now, almost all that stuff is done uh, via uh, modern technology, computers and things like that. So what's really been interesting is to see the incredible change in tools that we've used over the years to basically do the same job, to collect, describe, and disseminate information and be an information source for the community. So lots of changes in terms of tools, not so much change in source in terms of our mission. Okay, well, you know, since our guests don't know you and we want to get to know you, 
tell us about yourself. How did you get into the field of library services? You know, um, got my degree at Southern Miss um, 35 years ago. Um, been working in uh, libraries for 34 years, all in the uh, Forest County area. Um, but everyone in our family were readers. I, 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 I don't remember learning to read. I don't remember. <laughs> I never remember not being able to read. And so I got a, a history uh, undergrad degree, and I was looking for something to do. And so they said, well, do archival studies. And that requires a, a library science degree. So I started on the library science degree with intents of going into a, an archive and working with Ph.D. types and took my first job at a public library and said, these are the people who I really want to serve because it, you get such a return to yourself when you help people, whether it's a little kid reading his first book or whether it's a senior citizen looking for information on Social yeah. Security. The thrill of it is really great. So I, I sort of stumbled into it uh, back door through archives, and I've loved every minute of it. Now, you say you've been in this uh, business for thirty over 30 years? That is correct. So how, being in it over 30 years and coming in 30 years ago, how would someone coming into it today, would they ha- need some different type of education or, um, you know? The, the degree is the same, though what they teach in the degree okay. has changed. It's a Master of Library Science or Master of Information. Sometimes they call it Information Science now. And again, basically, mission is the same. Tools and ways of achieving that mission have, have changed. And uh, Southern Miss has a uh, accredited program. Uh, it's actually an online accredited program. So that, that's a good opportunity. But with so many online accredited institutions now, we have a young lady working at the library in Hattiesburg who's getting her degree from Rutgers okay. online. So really, it's, it's a master's level degree, and many of the programs are online. All now. right. So technology all the way. Oh. I mean, because you have to know. Speaking of technology, well, that's what we were talking about today, right? Well, well exactly. And... But technology, uh, something, and I, f- I forget how you phrased it, Sean. You mentioned technology does not require. Technology does not require an electric current. Okay. <laughs> uh, the best technology tool that we have in the library is a printed book. Um, and that still does the job a lot. Sometimes it doesn't do the job, and that's when we use our computer labs and Internet. But th- that, that, that's what's really important is to view technology as a tool, and you need, to u- you need to know how to use them because they're incredibly important tools. And we use these tools, and we deliver the information via these tools. But it's important that people, that, that, that people understand that technology is a tool. It's not an end in and of itself. Okay. Yeah, and, and as I'm, you know, Thinking about that, too, the mission of the library is really so similar to the mission of, of my job, information technology. And and what we're trying to do is we're also trying to disseminate information and connect people with the resources that they need in order to get their job done. And, you know, um, many, many times that does involve – I mean, I, I, I believe there will never be such thing as what they call a paperless office. There may be a paper – less office, office. <laughs> but paperless is just not going to happen. I mean, you know, even with this, I mean, you know, we're sitting here in front of this, we're on a tech show and what do we have? We have paper, paper in front of us because just something about that, that word on print. So, so I just really see our, our missions, although we're, we're, we're dealing with different customers. We're really kind of going down that same path together. Mm-hmm. Very good. So we have an early caller on the show uh, from Memphis. Let's talk to Bill. Bill, Good morning. Thank you for calling in. What's your question or comment, Bill? I've got two questions, and hopefully you'll have time to answer both. The first one is purely cosmetic. On my desktop, I use Google Chrome, mm-hmm. and the icons, for example, for Google Drive or Gmail or, um, you know, some other uh, applications are usually the ones provided by Chrome, which is sort of this tricolor circle. And I was hoping that there was an easy way so that it would put in the icon of the actual application, which comes up on certain, like I have Quicken, for example, and their queue, you know, they have a red with a queue in the middle of it, and that comes up. Is there a way to change the icons to the ones that the issuer provides instead what? of the ones that Chrome provides? Yeah, um, what you can actually do, Bill, is if you right-click on that shortcut, you can actually right-click it, go down to Properties. And once you get down to the Properties, one of the options in there, and and unfortunately I don't have my computer directly in front of me, but one of the options in there is Change Icon. 
and you can actually pretty much go to anywhere within your computer. You can go to that program's folders, or even if you wanted to look online and maybe Google a couple of uh, different icons that might make a little bit better sense to you, um, you can find different pictures and make those your actual icons. The kind of file you're looking for, though, whenever you are doing a, if you do a Google image search, you want to change the search settings, and for type of picture, look for an ICO file, which stands for icon. Okay, so right now, as we speak, it comes up with some Google icons, and mm -hmm. if I click Browse, it brings me to, um, you know, I, I, I don't know where to go from here. Browse brings me to, like, System32 file. Right. It's going to only look at what the system is, is aware of, so you're going to see things that are default then to Windows, and a lot of folks don't necessarily like those particular icons. Um, but what you'd probably want to do is maybe download a couple of those images yourself, and then you can just browse to that folder. I see. So if I download, then I can uh, – I got it. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't know what the procedure would be. I okay. do have another question if you have time. Sure. I'm calling you. I'm using Google Voice. And the reason I use it for other people is it's louder and clearer than on my iPhone. And I realize that iPhone and Google compete with each other. Is there a way for me to receive calls, my iPhone calls, on Google Voice? Now, I know you can send... Let me think here. You should be able to redirect your Google Voice to any other number. So you should be able to redirect that to your iPhone. Uh, as far as for telling... So you're saying you want like your iPhone, say, you know, 555-1212. You want that to be able to go to your Google Voice line instead? Right. If, if someone calls me on my iPhone, I would like, if my Google Voice is on, for it to ring, you know, ring on my computer as opposed to on my phone. Yeah, you would just want to set, uh, who, depending on who your carrier is, you would just set up call forwarding. And you would just have your your iPhone's number have calls forwarded from there to somewhere else. So you would just put in your Google Voice number at that point, and then your iPhone calls would actually redirect and come through your Google Voice. Okay. My Google Voice number is the same as my iPhone number. And so if my computer is not on, will that phone, obviously, if I'm away from the desktop, will it still ring on my iPhone? I believe that it should, but quite honestly, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that it should since they are sharing the same number. Okay. Well, anyway, so pardon me for being dense, but give it to me again. I go to my iPhone and redirect, and how do I redirect it to my Google Voice? Uh, that would depend on your carrier. Different carriers, there's usually a number series that you dial in ahead of time. Say like a, you know, like a star one, two, and, and that's not actually it. I don't know exactly what. It would depend on who your carrier is. But you would just need, you know, if it's an, say it's AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, any of those, they'd have to actually tell you how to forward it. Um, each one's going to be a little bit different. All right, Bill, thank you for calling in from Memphis. Well, what you can do is send us an email to everydaytech. Uh, at mpbonline.org, and we'll get that uh, question answered for you in more depth, okay? Thank you for calling in. Now, give us a call at one 672 7464 That's 1-877-MPB-RING for any of your library tech questions. We're going to continue with Wilton, our library expert, Sean Farrell, of the Hattiesburg, Petal, and Forest County Library when we return. We'll be right back after the break. can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. Welcome back, you're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilton and my library expert. I wanted to say Jerry real quick, but he's not here. My uh, library expert, Sean Farrell. He's director of Hattiesburg Pedal and Forest County Libraries. Very good. Thank you for coming in today, Sean. Great to be here. Now, if you're just tuning in, uh, today's topic is library technology, hence the song Reading Rainbow. And I have to say, I know I sound like a geek right now, but that was my favorite show ever. LeVar Burton, I had a crush on him, and he was (laughs) my favorite person on television. And I lived for Reading Rainbow and 123 Contact, if you guys remember that as well. But to give us a call today, uh, you can call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877-672-7464 and online at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Give us a call for your library tech questions. So before the break, we were going to get into what type of digital resources are available in libraries today. Well, you know, unfortunately, we, we, we don't have, you know, 17 hours, so I can't go all of them. So I'm going to touch the big ones first. Okay. Probably the most asked about, maybe the most popular one is e-books. Um, and almost every public library, uh, in the state offers some ebook service. All the public libraries in the state are independent on either a county or multi-county system. So what we do here in Hattiesburg isn't exactly the same thing that Madison County does. So I want to let people know, check with your local library first before you go out and you buy some hardware to make sure that your hardware is going to be compatible with their service. Having said that, and I don't want to get myself in uh, too deep of water, but I'm 99.9% sure that an Android or an iOS device, an Apple device, is going to work with all those ebook services. Um, and you can get your Android or iOS, and you can check out very popular books. And sometimes, example, uh, besides the normal popular books, we have graphic novels. Other people have um, children's books and things like that. Uh, pretty easy, actually. The, the hardest part as in any kind of thing like that, you get the app loaded, you get that running, they'd be glad to help you at your library, and you're off and running. And then, like me, when you're stuck in the line at Walmart and there's 37 people in front of you, you just grab your smartphone and read a book a little while and make lower that stress. Also great for trips and things like that. Ebooks are 24-7. They're very potable, um, and they're a wonderful thing to do. Lots of people like to use the Kindle, particularly the Kindle Paperwhite because those are so much easier to read than an Android or an iOS. But our library, for example, cannot accommodate Kindle Paperwhites. Some other libraries can. So I really encourage people, make sure when you're getting your ebook service and your ebook hardware together, if you're going to utilize your library, and why wouldn't you? The books are free there as opposed to buying them. <laughs> um, check with them first to make sure that you're going to marry that hardware and that ebook service together because they are not there's not a universal reader and there's not a universal ebook service there there's okay. there's differences there so they need to check the other one that is incredibly popular matter of fact i u- utilize this today e audio i it's it's funny i still call e audio books on tape <laughs> I, I don't even call them books on cd i call them books on tape but now you can download those e audio files again to any android or ios device and if you're driving up from Hattiesburg to Jackson, you just listen to a book as you drive. If you're at the gym, you listen to a book as you work out. Um, e-audio is probably our most popular digital content. Okay. It's, in, it's, it's incredibly popular. Um, movies, we have downloadable movies. Um, just, about, just about anything else that you think to foreign languages, um, we have classes that you can learn from. It really the, the list just goes on and on and on. What about the hearing and visually impaired um, um, resources? Um, there's a couple of things for the hearing and vid- visually impaired. First of all, um, it really did my heart well that one of the things that you know um, it used to be you had to get a special machine from the library commission, and you still can, and they have they have a huge number of those, and people should check out the Mississippi Library Commission because you can get those if you're. Um, impaired in any way. But basically, now with an Android device, 
you can you can listen to a book um, just simply by downloading the software and doing it. it, it it's extraordinarily yes, easy. Yes, and MPB has a radio reading service right. here. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's a great thing if you're not familiar with that. Log on to our website and check out radio reading services online and see how you can become a part of that as well. Um, very good information. Like you said, the library is not just about just books anymore. <laughs> it is in, it's in a different way. Exactly. And so let's go back to our phone lines and go to North Mississippi and speak with Haley. Uh, she has a question. Haley, good morning. What's your question or comment? Good morning. It's, it's not about the library, but I did. It, it's good to know that you can do the e-audio um, books. I travel a lot for work, and before Audible, um, I would rent my books on tape from the library. So good to know. Um, my question I have a, a, a off-brand GoPro camera. Mm-hmm. Um, only used it one time. I went and got the compatible memory card. Um, only used it one time. We took it on a, a trip overseas, and I'm trying to get the videos downloaded onto my laptop. There are two different ways: one, insert the memory card, or download them by doing the USB from the camera to the computer. Um, mm-hmm. I have an older computer. It's an older Dell uh, Studio laptop, um, and haven't used it in quite a while just because I have a work laptop. And so I'm having trouble getting the videos to download. It appears that they've downloaded, but some I can't get to play at all, and some will only play like a few seconds of the video and stop. And it's always given me some an error message saying that it's not the right file type or the file may have been corrupted. So I'm really hoping I I didn't lose those videos. No, what may be happening, I have a GoPro as well. I use that for a lot of, uh, my my kids are pretty heavily involved in bands, so I record a lot of band concerts and band events. And uh, it can be what you're probably seeing where you're seeing the little short videos is... Part of the files in there are probably having like little preview files, kind of, kind of the thumbnail version of a video. I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and think we may. I'm wondering if that particular camera might have come with a different set of software that may have to be used to import that. When you plug, are you uh, are you plugging it up via the USB cable or are you using the memory card? Well, I tried both. Um, the memory card, I had I had no luck with, and then I tried, and of course this particular brand um, of the camera that comes with an instruction manual, but it's, it's not very helpful. It just says plug into your computer via USB. Um, and then it really doesn't, it, it's hard. Like my computer will recognize the device and say device downloaded, but there's not an option on the camera Thank or you. the well. computer to download the videos. It's real strange. All right. Well, Haley, uh, we're going to try to get that you fixed. Yeah. Uh, what we can do is I uh, suggest you go ahead and log into our website, email Wilts and Jeremy. And you know what? With both of their minds, they're going to come up with something. They can come up with something. Yeah. What I'm kind of thinking is if maybe if uh, if you can shoot us an email, maybe with a couple of screenshots of what you're seeing when you plug that thing up, that might help me to dig a little bit deeper because uh, it, it's one of those I'm, I'm having a hard time visualizing and I'm a I'm a kind of a visual person, but if you can shoot me an email over there at everydaytech at mpbonline.org, um, let's go ahead and work on that because I want to get that resolved for you. I, I do not feel like we've lost those videos. We're going to save them. We're going to make it happen, Haley. Well, thank you, Haley, from North Mississippi for calling in. Hope you uh, stay dry and safe in the rain that's coming your way later on. Now, if you want to be a part of this conversation, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And, of course, online at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Now, let's get into PC services at your library. There are a lot of PC services that a lot of people don't know that are at their fingertips. Well, again, with... with particularly with PCs, even more sometimes in the digital content. We serve, public libraries serve a, a dual mission, and they serve sort of a hardware internet connectivity service and a content service. And one of the things that, that people are, are still surprised to find out, and, and I want to make sure everyone knows, most libraries have accessible to individuals computers, which normally have Microsoft Office Suite, Word, and Excel, and things like that generally, and Internet access. Um, And so I I can't tell you the number of times I've had someone come in and say, I've got to apply for a job, and I've got to apply online. 
I don't have a computer at home. I don't have internet access at home. You know, if you don't have a job, there's a pretty good chance you might not have a computer and internet access on job. And you go and they say you've got to apply online. Your public library is the place to do that. Almost every public library, if not every public library, has internet available public uh, PCs for people to use. Um, creating your resume, you can do that in Word. So the the fact that we simply have the computers there free and available to use is a great service that we do. And you asked me earlier, and I really should have said this, the biggest change that has happened in my career in libraries is that we now provide public access computing. And I'm, I'm talking about the Internet access and the hardware. We have a lot of great content to it. I'm going to get that in just a minute. But I, I want to really want to hammer home that point. you got to get online. You can't do it at home. The library is the place to do it. Do you need a library card to access the um, computers at, in the library? At our library, you don't. As again, we have uh, 47 library districts in the state library systems with over 240 libraries, and Hattiesburg makes the rules for Hattiesburg. Jackson makes the Pines County makes the rules, etc. Generally speaking, generally speaking, you either have to have a library card or get a guest pass. I'm not aware of any libraries that will not let somebody use it as a guest. I, I don't want to get myself in trouble mm-hmm. and say it's never the case. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm at about a 98% certainty that if you walk into a public library in Mississippi, that they're going to try to get you online just as, as quickly as they can. Because that's, that's, that's the biggest change is we've become the computing center, the free computing center for the public in Mississippi over the last 10, 15 years especially. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever walked into any library, especially around here, that I've not walked in and there is someone at the front desk that's greeting me and they're ready to help. So even if someone came in, if you're like, hey, you know, I've not really been in here all that much, there are folks in there that are going to go out of their way. I mean, you talk about customer service. You don't see much better customer service than in the library, in my opinion. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just, that, that is just customer service right there. But they're, they're there to help. They are there to help. When we come back from break, we're going to continue talking about our PC services, uh, resources in, in the library. And um, what Wilton and I were talking about offline was people don't understand the training that goes on in libraries and what you can get out of your library. So we're going to continue with this conversation. We have library expert, I named him that, Sean Farrell. He's the director of the Hattiesburg, Petal, and Forest County Library. And, of course, we have Wilt Couture. He is our uh, technology expert. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you guys for coming today. And we want to, again, welcome you guys to call. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And online at Everyday Tech at MPB Online to get in this conversation. We'll be right back after the break. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Wilt Cotrera, information technology expert at Newcore Steel in Jackson and Flowood. And we also have Sean Farrell, our resident library expert. He's the director of Hattiesburg, Petal, and Forest County Libraries. Now, we want you to be a part of this conversation, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and online at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. So before the break, we were discussing PC services that libraries offer. Now, we were talking about coming in and basically you've seen over the last 15 years PC services has boomed right right so let's continue with that conversation what other services as far as computers do libraries offer for the public okay so we, we, we talked about the labs and that that in, in many of them like ours it runs from pre-k labs homework labs and adult labs so you know cradle to grave kind of service but besides the labs themselves most libraries have specific content that they purchased that people are later to, are able to come in and use. And, and because we're in a technology show, we have in libraries a lot of software and courses and then actual instructor-driven lessons in technology. And that's one of the things that you can really use. We were talking earlier amongst ourselves about how 
I'm a little bit unusual. I've had the same job for for, for for 30 years. People change jobs a lot now. And one of the things that happens when you make a career move or when you're staying in your same job, the skill set that you got 30 years ago when you came out of college is not the same skill set that you need to progress and excel at your skills today. So we have uh, at our library something called Learning Express, which has a tremendous amount of job skills Um Great technology skills. It has the whole Microsoft Office suite. It has some Mac stuff. But it also has job skills across the board, uh, as well as all those tests that you have to take, like to become a a policeman, to become a nurse, uh, things like that. It's called Learning Express, and that's available at a lot of libraries. used to be available throughout the state, but state budget cuts forced the library commission to not be able to fund that for every public library in the state. Hopefully we'll get that back next year with maybe some funding help. But Learning Express is is a great tool for learning technology and for learning other job skills um, at the library. And a lot of public libraries do that. Um, We have another thing called Universal Class. Um, Universal Class to me is one of the real fun ones because it has the technology job skills and it has um, academic classes. Universal Class also has a Become a Paranormal Investigator module. So it's it's really a cool site. There's 500 classes that you can take uh, with ours called Universal Class. Um, And finally, we have one-on-one instruction for people who are just getting started. We're going to have some classes that we're going to begin in January at our library. Different libraries are going to approach this either on a one-on-one, a software-driven or a class-driven thing. And and there's not a library in the state that doesn't help people sharpen their technology skills and their job skills right there in the library. So it sounds like people need to know more about what their library offers. A lot of people don't know that these uh, resources are at their fingertips. Yeah, it's a tremendous community resource that's right down the street, and you probably pass by two, three, four times a day or at least a week. Uh, Stop on in there. You know, it, I mean, I'm even learning stuff from this, and I mean, I've kind of been in the library some, but it really is amazing what they really want to do to help us on out. I mean, it really and it's is amazing. free, and that's yeah. the point that we we need to drive home. A lot of the resources that you've just named, people have. You have to pay for those. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, most of them you have to pay for. So we're talking absolutely free at your fingertips, right in your community, in your neighborhood. Well, and I think Sean brought up another thing, too, though. It's also why we need to be involved with our local politicians and everything else to realize of why funding of these resources is so important. Because, you know, they're offering these services out there to us. They're they're really making us better at our jobs, making us or, or even just learning. I just I might look into the paranormal thing just because it, it just sounds funny. I know. It does sound you know? fun. We're going to go back to the phone lines right quick. And let's talk to Sue from Beaumont uh, about research division. Sue, good morning. I compliment Mr. Farrell for the, the research division. Anytime I have a question about something esoteric that I can't find. I'm, I'm not, I don't have access to a computer. We don't have uh, internet access out where I live, but I call the research division and they always find what I'm looking for. <laughs> In just seconds, too. It, don't, it didn't take them very long. All right, Sue. Well, he's here right now. You can talk to her. Well, we, you know, uh, I, I, I've got to tell you, keep calling because one of the funnest things, one of the saddest things about computers is Google has replaced a lot of our call-in reference desk questions. And I can tell you back being old school, it is so much fun helping people find information. So we're, we're glad we can help. And, and, and I want to let you know we enjoy it as well. Well, I, I, I was trying to find the name of Caligula's horse. You know, Caligula was a Roman emperor. He was insane. And he would take his horse to, to these Roman Senate meetings. And I could not think of that horse. It was but the, your researcher looked it up. It was his name was in, was uh, Incitatus. And then a, a question about a term I heard on a movie dies array. It's a Latin term. It was like it was used for her, heretics during the Inquisition. How, how would you find those things unless you called the Hasburg Library? Exactly. Thank you, Sue from Beaumont. <laughs> Thank you for that compliment. And you know what? That's just a testament of what the library offers and what, exactly. is, and what it does for everyday people and how it helps everyday people. Thank you, Sue. All right, let's go to Memphis right now and speak with uh, Mary. She has a library computer question. Good morning, Mary. Hello there. Hi. Hi, Mary. Um, I'm so glad to be hearing you, and uh, and I've learned so much about the library, and I'm such a fan of a library, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> oh, no, no. 
Okay, well, Mary, what's your question or comment today for uh, Kevin? Um, excuse me, for well, Sean. My comment is, my comment is and um, 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 along with really, really thanking you for this program, and Kevin is so knowledgeable. I've learned so much about many things that can make my life really easier just by listening for these few minutes. But I did, um, and I totally agree about the computers being in every library. They're actually in every library all over the country. And I thought it would be interesting if people knew where those libraries came from. They, it was a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And I think that's so important that I really think it's probably one of the most important philanthropic uh, um, prizes anywhere. Okay. Well, thank you, Mary, for that um, information. Information. I remember the Gates Project very well. Went to Seattle for a couple of weeks, uh, as well as getting lots of computers here. All right. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. And uh, we just learned something new here, didn't we? Yeah, well, I know, you know, and like she mentioned, um, and those of y'all who don't know the name Bill and Melinda Gates, that's actually, the, you know, Bill Gates is the founder of Microsoft. So you, you pretty much don't get a bigger tech tie-in than that right there. But there really hasn't been a, a really big push for uh, technology literacy along with reading literacy. With and I, I do want to make mention, we have Sean Farrell here today, <laughs> director of Hattiesburg, Petal, and Forest County Library. Sean Farrell. <laughs> I did say Kevin, but it's Sean Farrell, of course. And, of course, I have Wilt Couture here today, Couture, here with me today as well. Now, we're going to go back to our phone lines, and we have a tech question from Jackson. Dan, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing fine. Wonderful, Dan. Oh, oh, it's looking dry. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. We want dry. That's, that's not a complaint, I no. hope. No. <laughs> Twelve years ago, I was in St. Dominic's when I was evacuated from Katrina. Oh. Well, you are yes, safe right we now. Are. We are at our uh, anniversary time, aren't yes. we? Yes. Yesterday yeah, made 12 years. My birthday tomorrow. This always happens on my birthday. I miss being in New Orleans on my birthday. Oh, Lord. So you have a question, um, Dan? When you're in a new vehicle, and I believe in Microsoft, I use Microsoft phones. I'm upset with Microsoft when they separated from Nokia because the Finns built great phones. And why they cut ties with the company based in Finland, I don't understand. But Bill Gates is the man. Madonna introduced me to Bill Gates three years ago. Wow. Okay. Anyway, getting back to my point, I'm in a new vehicle. How do you access the Wi-Fi? Because the only time I get to use the Wi-Fi on my tablet, because we're sponsored by Samsung, and I can't access Wi-Fi in a rental vehicle. I know we got Bluetooth, but how do you access Wi-Fi? Very few cars actually have the Wi-Fi built into them right now. It is becoming an emerging technology that some, um, for example, just a couple of weeks ago, I was on a business trip up in Milwaukee, and the car that I had, it was actually just a little Chevy Cruze, and it actually had Wi-Fi in it. But that is still the very... parents had it? it yeah, I, I'm really not sure. Again, and a lot of times those features, the rental companies especially, may or may not turn them on because they do get very expensive. Just imagine getting a uh, in a rental car, for example. If a kid got in there and started Netflix binging, they could really run it up. So I've not really seen that a lot. Now, if your car is equipped with it, you should be able to go through the menu functions on the screen, and there would be a Wi-Fi option that would then give you the name of the car as well as the passcode you would need to put in. But, again, that is just one of those... I've that's the only car probably that I have personally seen. I know there's some others out there, but um, not nearly as big of a feature right now. It's a very rare option. A very rare option, then. Yes, sir. I'm just now catching rain in Ridgeland. Oh, well, be careful out there. We play a lot of music, and we go through a lot of bad weather, but... sometimes when you lose your home, it kind of hurts. It does. And we want to thank you for calling in, Dan, and I hope you stay safe. And I hope you have a great birthday as well. Yes, indeed. Happy, Happy birthday. early birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, before the break, um, Sean, we were t- you were talking about 
different areas in the library for toddlers and middle schoolers and high schools and adults. I like that aspect of the library so you don't have them all in one area. Tell us more about that. We, we are fortunate. We're actually the largest public library building in the state, and we, we elect to do that. We've got 50,000 square feet, so we're able to um, you know use geography to separate those folks because um, if, if you're working if you're working on a resume, you don't necessarily want to have some four-year-old who's, who's having their first computing experience. And if you're trying to get your term paper done, you don't necessarily want to be upstairs if somebody's laughing at their Facebook posts. So we use we have again we use see these computers as tools, and the tools do different jobs. And because they do different jobs to a different clientele, sometimes we use geography to separate the different tasks that we're using computers for in the library. Speaking of term paper, I'm getting my master's right now, so I know a lot about those, but the EBSCO host we use. EBSCO host is is wonderful. And a little-known fact, EBSCO host has one of the best um, Android apps of Hmm. of any of the research databases. They, They have a great app that you can use on your phone, and I was very hesitant because how can you use a research database on your phone? EBSCO Host is very good, and your library, anybody in Mississippi can go into their public library and have access to a database that has 5,000 magazines full text. Again, the academic to the fun, and they can get it on their PC or they can get it on their phone. I can tell you, yeah, you're you're getting your master's as well right now, and I'm telling you, it has saved my life. Uh, papers and all the information that's out there, you put in your. Um, I like how you put in your titles or one word, and it grabs so many articles, and just a lot of information that you can put in a great paper. I do like in yeah. the citing information and everything. It helps you out. You can trust EBSCO host a lot more than you can trust uh, Google. Trust. <laughs> yes, and uh, look, my professors let us know that all the time. <laughs> but um, speaking of um, resources. When we come back, we're going to talk about genealogy, uh, foreign languages you mentioned earlier, and we're going to talk about the future of libraries. All right. So uh, give us a call at one 672 7464 That's 1-877-MPB-RING to chime into our conversation. We're talking today with Sean Farrell, Director of Hattiesburg Petal and Forest County Library, and Wilt Couture, IT Specialist at Newcore Steel. All right. Stay tuned for more Everyday Tech right here on MPB Think Radio. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Your MPB car tag is here. If you pre-ordered an MPB car tag, you can now go to your local county office and pick it up. Just take in your current tag and swap it out. If you'd like to order an MPB tag, the tax collector's office can place your order today. Log on to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more details. Thank you for supporting MPB in this way. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email everydaytech at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilts. Katrere and Sean Farrell, Director of Hattiesburg, Petal, and Forest County Libraries. Now, if you're just joining us, we've been talking about library technology and how libraries today offer more than just books. We're taking your comments and questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 and online at Everyday Tech at MPB Online. Now, before the break, Sean, I wanted you to explain to the world what research genealogy is. You know, uh, genealogy is the, depending on you, listen to the second or third most active hobby in the United States. Um, and for years, you had to go to a, you had to go to a microfilm machine and go through the, the census data, very, very slowly, very hard to read. 
Um, at our library, we're lucky to have Ancestry.com and HeritageQuest, which have the census data. They also have the Social Security Death Index. They have tons of books. They have newspapers. They've made uh, genealogy not quite as easy as, as, as swabbing your DNA and sending it in, which what kind of ruins all the fun, I would think. Yeah. But we have a tremendous amount of uh, databases that are very user-friendly and able to use. And um, Heritage Quest, as a matter of fact, and several libraries uh, have Heritage Quest throughout the state. You can do that at the library, Eric. Once again, you got a PC at home? Go ahead and do it at home with your PC. And that's uh, I'm trying to quickly see if I can find Heritage Quest on here. I'm, uh, we've got one, two, three, four. We have seven libraries in the state that have Heritage Quest, which means you can get it at home. Plenty more have Ancestry.com, which means you can go in the library and, and find out your, your family history. Okay. And uh, we were talking about uh, you being in the business, in the library uh, systems for 30 years. What do you see libraries going in the future? You know, um, having been in it 30 years, I see us looking to see what are the both informational needs in terms of a, a, a pragmatic standpoint as well as what is informational and inspiring amongst information because it's not just getting a job it's reading that great book that either entertains you or inspires you we're going to find ways to get that information into the hands of the people who need it it could be a printed book it could be a smartphone it could be some technology that i'm not even aware of yet but our mission remains the same, and we've been very good, I think, about identifying those tools which can best succeed in that very important mission. And, and a big question we, Wilt and I were talking about earlier is do you think it's important to teach the younger generation how to look up a book the old-fashioned way? And I put that in quotes, the Dewey Decimal System, et cetera. What if the computer system crashes? How do you look up a book <laughs> the, yeah. the old-fashioned way? Uh, you know, we arrange, we arrange information so that there, there, there's – Two things. For one thing, it's quicker. If you just know that 796.357 is baseball, you don't have to go through one record at a time or even several, you know, you get 10 on a page at a time to see what we have. You can walk to that section of the library and do that. It's, it's relative shelving. It was a radical idea 100 years ago when <laughs> Melville Dewey came up with it. Oh, put all the books on the same subject together. But doing that allows people to be their own search tool by understanding what the code is to put them in the correct area. And then they can just go, they can use a, a new a technology I like to call sneaker net. <laughs> they put on their sneakers <laughs> and they go find like the that. information. Yes. Yes. And, and are the schools, and uh, Wilt, you can help us with it. Do you think the schools are teaching the children how to uh, research the old-fashioned way? Or is everything going technology, you know, well, technical? I think, I think where I see it, like a lot of my kids doing a lot of their work, they're using the online resources, um, using that probably a lot more. I mean, gone, I think, are the days of like the encyclopedia being in the household anymore. Um, but I still think research is research. You still got to follow those same things. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've come across, like with my kids, when we're talking about, you know, hey, the Internet is a great source of research of, uh, for research, but there's a problem. You know, it's kind of like the saying that when you're on the Internet, you know, you can be a dog and nobody knows you're a dog. I mean, you've got to be able to sort through the information of what's the real information. You know, like I tell them a lot. I mean, Wikipedia, for example, I think is a wonderful resource. I get a lot of info from there. But you've got to realize that it is crowdsourced and it may not exactly be accurate. And, you know, we see that in so many things. Everything's kind of got a slant to one side, a slant to the other. And so, yes, we have all these resources out there. But let's not forget, if you're doing that research, look for accuracy. You know, that's that's ultimately that that's what makes good research There's research. I think and there's good research. And, and Sean, um, before we go, I want you to let everyone know what. What libraries really bring to communities? Libraries are, are the heart of the community. For one thing, besides the information, besides inspiring things like that, that is your community's central place. Everybody is welcome in the library, um, and it is a place that, that you can that the, the community can bond around together. Everyone can share it. There's, there's, there is nobody in your community who can't benefit by a trip to a public library. And it'd be great if everybody came in and then you see your friends and your neighbors Mm -hmm. when you're there. And uh, give us the website to your library. And if, like you said, there are different entities in each uh, area, but your particular library, how can they get information online? Ours is hatlibrary.com, H-A-T-T library.com. Another good resource, www.mlc.lib.com. 
www.ms.us. Sorry, that's long. That's the State Library Commission. It's going to have a list of all the libraries. Again, www.mlc.lib.ms.us. If you need a little help being directed to your library and you don't want to Google it, you can go to the Library Commission. And and earlier um, you mentioned all of the resources that are available, people don't know that they are available, and that's very how do you, that's important to get the information to the people. How is the library system getting the information um, to the people to let them know what's available? We've, if you we've, understand what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we've, we've got our we've got our web page, which also doubles mm-hmm. as as the old fashioned catalog, author, yeah. subject, title, or keyword. You can look it up. We also have a, a, a heavy social media presence. We have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and things like that. So we're using some of the social media as well, uh, as well as more traditional forms of getting out and going to community affairs and events. That's great. That's great. And uh, we brought you in today because we knew that libraries have become technological uh, services for communities. And, Wilts, you yeah. want to speak on that a little more? Yeah, and yeah, they really are. They like Just like Sean said, they have become a hub. But let's not also forget, they're kind of the original technology. If we really want to take IT all the way back, let's think about this. When did the printed, I mean, the printed word, when it finally made it down to where we could actually record our history, I mean, isn't that really what technology has really been about? It's been about advancing our communities and advancing our civilization Library started this with the book, and you know it's, it's just a, it's a natural progression of working with these, you know, librarians for us. I like what you said, natural natural progression. Libraries had to change because the world changes. So the world changed, and the library just continues to change with the world. I love that with technology. And I have since Jeremy's not here, I have a little funny. It's almost like a poem, but I got a quote from the internet. <laughs> it says, Google can bring you a million answers, but a librarian can give you the right one. Do you agree, Sean? I agree with that 100%. <laughs> well, again, we want to uh, thank our special guest today, Sean Farrell, Director of Hattiesburg Petal and Forest County Libraries, for joining us today. And we want to, and you've been listening to Everyday Tech. We want to thank you for joining us today. Our board operator was Java Chapman, and our phone answer uh, screener was Gerald Hallman. If you missed part of the show or want to hear past episodes, you can listen on our website at mpbonline.org slash everydaytech or subscribe to our podcast. For Wilts Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for the original Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick Lachezo at 11. This is MPB Think Radio.